in-class learning is due to resume in Alberta for K-12, to everywhere except the municipality of Wood Buffalo, Fort McMurray, uh, which is still considered to be a COVID hot zone. So is the return to the in-class learning the right thing to do? Is it the wrong choice to make? Is it kind of fuzzy with room for argument on both sides? I want to have a chat with Jason Schilling, who's the president of the Alberta Teachers Association, joining us this morning here on 630. Jed, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you today? Oh, pretty good. What emojis would you use to describe your mood today? Oh, geez, I don't know. There's so many. <laughs> I used to have I used to have an emoji version of um, Romeo and Juliet in my classroom, though, which was always oh. fun to look at. <laughs> That's interesting. I like that. <laughs> Talk about a brand new modern world. Uh, okay, yeah, back, sure. to, back to the topic at hand. From from your point of view, and for for the teachers that you represent, is the return to in class learning uh, as of Monday or Tuesday? I guess uh, is that the right choice? Well, it's, this is um, a, a decision that is really with mixed emotions for a lot of teachers because they know ideally they want to be at school with their students in their classrooms because that's where the best learning is going to take place. Um, but we'd still have quite a high positivity rate with, in terms of COVID within our province. And we are putting schools and students and the folks who are working in those buildings right back into the same situation that they left just a couple of weeks ago without any further support. And so, um, you know, that that's where that trepidation comes in. Uh, but, you know, much was made by the government and some school boards that this was, this was more about operational issues, just not having the staff available uh, due to things like close contact quarantines etc so two weeks later those issues should be should be pretty much cleared up wouldn't they well i mean you're still going to see issues of um of folks having to isolate when they come to school next week because there are still cases within our community we know that community spread is echoed within our school spread um back and forth they they tend to mirror one another so unless we've we've addressed some of the issues that had led us to having to close down operationally we're going to get back into that same situation again i fear now explain to me how this works if you do an online learning you still have teachers who are teaching online uh and still yes. and still doing the work so you know uh there would there not be operational issues even with online learning well, and it's challenging when you have to, and this is one of the reasons that uh, this is this has been um, such an issue this year, is that teachers and students and their parents are are exhausted from trying to mitigate this and moving from moving back and forth between in-person learning and online learning, and so you have to ensure that everybody has um, the means that they need for learning. So, technology uh, teachers are making paper packages for students that are unable to uh, connect online that way, and to make sure they're moving back and forth. And so this whole year has been like that, and it's been a challenge, and that time's quite difficult, but it's still trying as hard as it can, teachers and school staff, to connect with kids to make sure the learning's going forward. Uh, it, but you also were, were talking about the concern, the health concerns, but the, the chief medical officer of health for Alberta, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, specifically said yesterday that she does not believe there is a public health risk with returning to in-class learning. She's the top doctor in the province. Do you accept her advice or not? And if not, why not? Well, I mean, I've, I've heard what she said, and I know that um, every time that we get a, a COVID case or a, a close contact in school, um, it sends home dozens or sometimes hundreds of kids and dozens of staff um, we are in a public health emergency and i know that they said that the the last two weeks have been operational but we're still in a public health emergency i think those two go hand in hand
So do you just not believe her? That you think there is a public health risk and that, and that she's wrong? Well, no, it's not a question of whether or not I, I believe that she is wrong. I think that there's this part of um, the operational and the health risk have to be part of the same conversation. Uh, also, the yo-yo effect, uh, and you touched on it briefly earlier, but the, this yo-yo effect, and uh, and uh, Tricia Esterbrook, you may have heard it in the news uh, leading up to, to this segment, the board chair of EPSB also concerned about that yo-yo effect and whether or not, the, you know, is, are we going to get to a point where, again, we go back to, to online learning, are the kids going to be pulled in and out, are they going to be there for the end of the school year this time around, and all that kind of a, kind of a thing, uh, uh, that, that, that remains a concern, probably. For, for, for teachers in their workplace as well as for students uh, trying to go to school? Oh, yeah, definitely. This yo-yo effect, or, or I've heard some uh, reporters call it a COVID coaster as well, has been uh, has been difficult throughout the course of the year because you have, um, you know, I've talked to some teachers who've had to self-isolate up to five times this year. And uh, that has been uh, really difficult in terms of trying to make sure that you're connected with your students, that the continuity of learning is moving forward. And, um, you know, that also affects all their students in their classrooms, whether they are learning at home or they're doing this sort of hybrid, you know, their teachers at home and they're zooming into the classroom or, you know, half and half. And it's just, it's been a year that's been uh, quite trying. And I, I know that uh, um, people are ready to get off this COVID coaster, if yeah. you will. You know, the decision's been made. We're going back to, you know, in-class learning uh, on on Tuesday. That, you know, you, you guys don't get a choice in it. That's just the way this is going to be. Uh, but you mentioned earlier about uh, support. So, so what kind of supports were you talking about? What are you looking for? Well, one of the things that we can do is to make sure that we are addressing and making sure that the health supports and the protocols in our schools are, are being um strengthened as, as much as they can be so i don't know if we need to have another conversation about mass and the types of mass that we're using in school that that could be one of the conversations that we're having and especially with the increase of the variance within um covid we've also talked about um, making sure that we still have supports in place or increase the supports in place for our substitute teachers who are who are working out there right now as well because as you talk about the operational challenge that has been a challenge all year in terms of substitute teachers so well, what kind uh, of support so I don't, I, I, well, because I'm not in this world so I have no idea what you're yeah, talking yeah. about <laughs> yeah no no that's fair enough there I appreciate that we uh, so for instance some school some school districts across the province have put substitute teachers on contracts so they work specifically at certain schools so that they're always available in case they should happen to have a case there by putting them on contract you're also giving them some income security because if a substitute teacher was to become a close contact or become ill themselves they would be without income for the duration of that time. So giving them some sort of income and benefit security throughout the course of the year um, has been something that we've been advocating for. So that's one I, That's one way to support the system is to make sure that they have that as well. And the, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go on. You're no, going to add one uh, more point. Well, I was going to add one more point is that, uh, um, you know, our, we're finding right now as well that uh, a lot of the administrators that are in our schools, our principals and our vice principals, have really picked up a lion's share 
work of contact tracing, and that is taking them away from the other responsibilities of their schools, and they're, they're spending an enormous amount of hours because they care about their school community, um, doing work that really should be done by Alberta Health Services, and so those individuals and schools need, need extra help and support as well. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it is a tough situation because this has been been hard on on parents, and it's also been been hard on teachers. It's been hard on students. It's been hard on everybody all across, uh, you know, society here. It's just an interesting message that came in through through the text line saying that I'm a teacher and a conservative, but very critical of Jason Kenney. Uh, I really want to be back in class learning ASAP. I'm also tired of being quarantined. Been quarantined four times this year due to close contacts. Not afraid of COVID, but I can't handle being away from my family anymore. So she, you know, that individual basically saying stay home because uh, that that's part. People aren't necessarily getting sick, but if you have those close contacts, that has been a major issue, and that's what's been causing some of the strain within the system. Yeah, it's that, it's, you know, when you have to self-isolate four times, that's an impact on, on every aspect of your life. And as I talk to people, I say, no, not one person in our society is untouched by this pandemic, and it's affected all of our personal and, and professional lives. And so it's finding ways that we can, can mitigate it and to try to lessen its impact on all of us is would be really important. Well, you guys are going back uh, on Tuesday. What's that going to look like? Relief for some, I think. Well, you know, one of the hardest things about last year when we went to that emergency remote teaching is that teachers didn't get to see their students again for the rest of the year. And uh, and it's important because, you know, teaching is really a relational kind of job. You work with students one-on-one every day and you, you, you work with them to try to make sure that, you know, they can be the best people that they can be. Um, and teachers like being in the classroom, that's where we, we do our work, that's where we best are. Um, so I know that teachers want to be with their students, but, you know, safety is always number one for the folks who work in that building and who attend that school. So There, there are a lot of people, you know, there, 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 there's a section uh, of, of the population that, that's not a big fan of unions in general, so each time you, you speak we get we get a few comments and i'm not saying it's a mm-hmm. widespread number but a few that just say you know it's just it's just the union trying to get some more money for their teachers you're talking about contracts for substitutes etc how do you respond to that and i'll just give you an opportunity to, to come back at it well you know one of our i guess the primary objectives of the association is to promote and advance public education and that's really where we spend a lot of our time um, focused on is, is public education so if you think of um the conversations that we're having around this new draft curriculum, right? That's focused into what our students are learning and what's best for them in terms of their education. And that's where we spend a lot of our time. And when we look at COVID, it's our conversation has always been rooted into the safety of the people who work in those buildings and the students who attend those buildings. And then ultimately their families and their communities afterwards, which is why we've pushed so hard with government on um, trying to have ways to strengthen this return to school um, plan that we have. Jason Schilling, thanks for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. (laughs) For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.